Welcome to Speak Up, the Speech Pathology Australia podcast. This podcast series highlights conversations with esteemed contributors in the speech pathology space. We explore key issues in the profession in a short and easy to listen to format. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Hello, this is Marie Brown, Manager of Professional Education. In celebration of the 2019 Speech Pathology Week, we felt it very timely to introduce to our listeners an important member of the Speech Pathology Australia team, Mr Tim Kittle. Hi Tim and welcome to the Speak Up podcast. Hi Marie, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. Firstly, can I say congratulations on your recent appointment to the position of SPA Board President. Thank you very much, that's really sweet of you. I think um, I can speak on behalf of all the staff here at SPA when I say how thrilled we were when you stepped into the role of the President, which heralds a new phase for the Association and its members. So two questions for you, Tim. Firstly, can you tell us how it feels to be the President of Speech Pathology Australia? And secondly, can you also tell us a little bit about yourself so we can all get to know you better? Hmm. Yeah, good question. So (laughs) (laughs) when it comes to the way that I sort of feel about Speech Pathology Australia President, it's it's just a mix of loads and loads of emotions. I mean, obviously, first of all, I feel incredibly honoured. Um, firstly, that the members voted me in. And secondly, that the board um, has put its trust in me to lead sort of directions, uh, to listen to them. And of course, I'm incredibly excited. I mean, I'm excited about just about everything. I get excited when I have a new stamp or a post in the mail. But I mean, to be somebody who is so incredibly connected to the profession now is just so exciting for me. And I just feel, you know, very, very privileged. I think one of the main things that's kind of changed for me is now being able to link in a little bit more closely with the branch chairs. And I'm starting to get a bit of an understanding of what's going on Australia-wide. And it's just really exciting to see the sorts of things that we're doing. It's, it's good that you're um, an enthusiastic personality, I expect, because um, you can channel that and use that energy for the role because it's a very busy role. Um, what about you? What about your background as a speech pathologist and maybe tell us a little bit about some of your interests and et cetera? I, yeah, I, being a speech pathologist is kind of part of my identity and I think that I was kind of a speech pathologist before I knew what speech pathology is speech pathologists do perhaps. Um, so I grew up in Wyala, which is a, a town in South Australia, a very, very small population. And I didn't really have terribly many subjects I could choose from. So I did very, very traditional subjects, but English was the one that I really liked the most. When I finished school, I went to uni and I did an arts degree because I really didn't know what it was that I wanted to do. And when I look back at the subjects that I chose, I chose English, obviously. Um, and then German and philosophy and psychology. And the plan for me was to become either an English teacher or a psychologist. Mm. Um, So I started by psychology and sort of within that first semester, I really didn't feel like I sort of belonged as a psychologist. It wasn't sort of the culture for me. I was much more excited about English and the ideas and being able to talk things through. It wasn't my strongest subject, but it's something that I really, really enjoyed. And then when I got to the end of my degree, um, I applied for speech pathology and I didn't get into speech pathology the first time that I did it. Um, And what I did was I did an honours year instead. And what I was doing there was having a look at um, anti-detective fiction, which is 
where things don't really make sense. And the more that I did that, it was around the time of the X-Files. So the more that I did that, the more that I looked at sort of investigating and communicating, the more I wanted to be a speech pathologist. And I was just really lucky at the end of that honours year that I did get in. Um, and when I went to uni, I actually did find that I really, really um, fit in really well to the sorts of things that were being discussed and was really excited about some of the stuff that's going on. So those skills um, in your honours year about things that don't really make sense, do you feel that you can bring that into your everyday practice? Is it part of your ability to problem solve? I think well, what, what's really interesting is um, I think that anti-detective fiction as a movement which was happening towards the end of last century was sort of looking at, look, there's just so much buzz and so much noise around that you have to kind of create your own truth was kind of the idea of that movement. And that's kind of what speech pathologists do. There's a lot of information around and what we try to do is we try to help our clients make sense of all of that information and communicate. So, yeah, it really did sort of set me up. Um, when I sort of found out that speech pathologists did work at sort of a story level, at a narrative level, that's when I got really, really excited. And that's what I've sort of spent a lot of my career looking at. And you said that um, you felt that that's where you belonged within speech pathology, which which is really interesting. So it seems like you found your tribe, so to speak, uh, and now you're leading your tribe um, in the role as as president. Um, so if we can now talk about leadership, that sort of maybe segues into a. a, a chat I wanted to have to you about with you about leadership in your role as the um, the board president you have the unique challenge of not only leading the board and the the spa staff but you also lead nearly 10,000 members and then on top of this you're also representing uh, the speech pathology profession as a whole so that's um, an enormous responsibility Tim and, and I expect it requires excellent leadership skills can you tell us what qualities you think makes a great leader well, great. No pressure at all. Thanks Marie, for that. Just remind me of that. But it is. I mean, like when you say those sorts of things, the first thing I think of is stress. But of course, you know, I've got the entire board that's uh, behind me as well. And really, it's not me leading. It's actually the board that's doing all of that leadership. Um, but to get to your question, to not dodge it, you know, what makes a great leader is a really good question. And I think, you know, if I went to a bookshop or a library, there'd be bookshelves with all sorts of different ideas about that. When I first started as a speech pathologist, I had a lot of advice. Not all of it was terribly good, but one of the best pieces of advice, is, advice that I got really was have a look at your line managers and have a look at those people around you who are leaders and kind of learn from them. Mm. You can learn good things. So if you look at them and you can be inspired by them, but you can also see where leadership goes wrong too. And if you can sort of pull that apart, then you're on your way to sort of working out who you are as a leader. And I think that people will have different ideas about what a good leader is. But I think for me, what I think good leadership is, is just a genuine sense of caring for the work that you've got ahead of you and caring for the people that you are leading or the, those people and those interests. Um, I think that that's the most important thing, that whatever you do, you're doing on behalf of people. And I think if we look around the world at the moment, you know, there are leaders that you can look at and sort of go, hmm, this is what a good leader is. And the person that jumps into my head as I'm talking is probably Jacinda Ardern right now. 
Um, when I look at the New Zealand Prime Minister, I actually don't, it's suddenly occurred to me, I don't even know which party she represents. Mm. But what she does represent is New Zealand just incredibly well, you know, and you get this sense that she really cares for her country. Mm. And then she goes out and, you know, the things that are going on at the moment, you know, she cares about the world. And when she puts challenges at people, it comes from that position of care. So you have to take that on board. So I think that that's a really good leader. Um, And I think that, you know, there are other leaders that perhaps don't have that sort of approach. And that's how we judge leadership. Yeah, I think you raise a really good point there, and and it is um, it's such a subtle thing that that is so powerful that people can actually um, sense that genuine um, enthusiasm and, and and compassion for others. It definitely translates, and um, I couldn't agree with you more that caring is is what people really ultimately want to see from their leaders. Yeah, and you can you can sort of disagree with those people that you represent. As long as you can sort of uh, see a way forward and that you're actually acting, you know, with the best interests um, for all of that team at, at heart. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, B, you're saying that that um, the board is you, your colleagues on the board is is um, equally as important when you're in a leadership role in in being a team and and heading towards the future, the strategic future of the association. And and the board recently met um, to discuss the next step of the association's strategic direction, which was namely the 2020 to 2022 strategic plan, um, which is no doubt a rather large and daunting task. Um, I'm aware it might be a little bit early to discuss the upcoming strategic plan, but are you able to give us a, a little sneak peek into where you think the association will be heading or what the association may be focusing on over the next two years, the upcoming two years? Yeah, it's, it has just been a really, really exciting time. So I've been on the board for four years and over those four years, we've just made so many inroads. Um, and when I look at what Gail and Gaynor Dixon and Belinda Hill and Sharon McLeod achieved at the United Nations just a few months ago, you sort of think, wow, you know, the sky's the limit in terms of future. Mm. I think I'm really, really lucky. I think I've come at a time when actually the association's really figuring out what it is that speech pathology does. And now I think we're actually at a point where we're starting to put an Australian context to what it is that speech pathology does. I was listening just this morning to Pamela Snow's podcast and she was talking about, you know, how that Australian context to her research was incredibly important and how that shaped the the association. I mean, she was, you know, saying that this was a, a research from across the world, but having that Australian context is really, really important. So at the moment, we've got a number of things that are kind of going on. Um, we've got the um, strategic plan, which is uh, being produced. And I think that's going to look really, really exciting. Um, that's still got the speech pathology 2030 underpinning it, which I think is great. Uh, we've got the new code of ethics, which I think from what I've seen so far is going to be really forward focused, as will be the professional standards. That's all kind of new as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to look really, really different. And the way that we interact with it is going to be really important. And then I suppose we've also got the Reconciliation Action Plan. And I don't think that you could have a Speech Pathology Australia without 
really us looking at um, the Reconciliation Action Plan and the role that we all have in terms of enacting that. So it's exciting. There's so much and there could be anything that happens within the next two years. And I just think that we need to be agile. I suppose the next step really is if we've figured out what the profession you know, is about now, now it's time for us to really start communicating with the public. And it's been really nice to sort of see lots of videos that are being produced. We're sort of on the eve of Speech Pathology Week, which is great. And seeing how consumers can be involved and how consumers can start talking about Speech Pathology Australia. I'd like to see that happen in the next two years. Indeed, indeed. And speaking of uh, Speech Pathology Week, because uh, this particular podcast in, in introducing you to our members is part of the celebration of Speech Pathology Week, um, and this year's theme is communicating with confidence. Can you tell me a little bit about the process behind the development of the theme and what communicating with confidence means, not only to the speech pathology profession, but as you mentioned, to Australians in general? Yeah. Um, so the communications and marketing team have really gone over and beyond in terms of really scoping sort of member feedback about what people have been thinking about Speech Pathology Week and sort of refining the good work that sort of happened before. And communicating with confidence is the theme that we have. And I think that's really exciting. That's an action statement now. It's about, you know, how are we communicating? Um, and I think that the real key is around confidence. And I think that's going to mean something different to different species and then different again to clients and consumers, which I think is really exciting. Um, I think at the base of the theme, communicating with confidence, essentially it really gets down to, not we are speech pathologists, but it gets down to what it is that we do. And what it is that we do is we make lives better in terms of getting people to be confident in themselves and to be confident you need to be able to say what it is that you think and feel. Well, look, th thank you so much for your time, Tim. I know how incredibly busy you are at the moment um, and I really appreciate the opportunity, most importantly, to um, be able to introduce you to our members. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more from you going forward and um, just personally I'm really pleased that you've set, stepped into the role as, as the president. As I said earlier, all the SPA staff were really excited to um, see you step into that role and um, we very much look forward to seeing you lead our association into the future with all the enthusiasm and energy that you have. So thank you for your time, Tim. That's really, really kind of you to say thank you. I'm blushing on the other end. God bless. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.